Welcome to the summer, y'all. And before we get into today's show, I want to talk about our long-standing sponsor. That's right. I'm talking about Corridor Flow. Corridor is a coffee shop located in the greater Los Angeles area in a small, charming city called Lomita. They are open for in-store seating. They, of course, have an amazing outdoor space so you can camp out for a bit and get some work done, as well as safely meet up with your friends. And with the summer upon us, make sure you try one of their wonderful iced drinks like their matcha latte, their Spanish latte, and of course, my absolute favorite, their cold brew coffee. Corridor also has a consignment hub, so if you are looking for that unique gift item, head on over to the shop. They also have a plant stand hosted by Good Morning Cactus. So the next time you're in the Los Angeles area, make sure you check out Corridor Flow. You can find them on Instagram at Corridor underscore Flow or order your drink online at CorridorFlow.com. Corridor Flow. Coffee. Community. Create. With that said, on to our show. Welcome to the Breathe Podcast, where we explore the intersection of faith and creativity. We interview artists from all walks of life to discover how faith plays a role in their art and expression, hoping to encourage you to live a life of creativity and faith. And now, please welcome your co-hosts, Derek Engoy, Christian Mendoza, and Kevin Horton. Yup, yup. Welcome back to The Breathe, Faith and Creativity. Welcome back to another episode. We are just a couple of more episodes away from the end of season two. We're going to take a few months off to take a break and we will be back at the last quarter of the year. But it's been a fantastic journey from Torrance, California. I am one of your co-hosts, Derek Engoy, coming in from Cerritos, California. We got Christian Mendoza. What up, Chris? Yo, yo. Yo, yo. And from Long Beach, California, we have the fly guy himself, Mr. Kevin Horton. Kevin, what's going on? I'm going on. (laughs) (laughs) Because fly guys, that's why that fly guys say that, because... That's why. <laughs> no, always, always the man of few words, but with a high punch. Hey, your uh, movie came out last week or two weeks ago, yeah? Yes, it did. Independent film called Final Stop. Go, Kevin. God is here. My movie is here. Actually, <laughs> the ride is here. And hopefully in a few weeks, we will have the director on the show. That's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to that. But congratulations for that. Speaking of which, how have you been, uh, Kevin? How's your, your your past week been? Just been doing some shadow work, as we mentioned before, about what that's like. And so it's it's been a good week, and I'm very, very thankful. That's great. That's great. How about you, Chris? Uh, pretty cool. Like last weekend, or actually last Saturday, we had this uh, Clean the Church Day. And initially when I signed up, there was only three people. It was Inez, Stevie, and me. And I was like, oh, man, there's going to be a lot of work. <laughs> but then on Saturday, we rolled up. Man, there was at least 15 people. They were all doing work. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah, a lot of people donated their their time and their help. And yeah, I'm pumped up. I finally get to, to paint that circus room. Nice. And so, yeah, uh, I'm going to have my, my, my students don't know it, but I want I want to have them help me paint the inside of it too. Oh, that's going to be especially, awesome. Especially the twins, you know, because they spent their entire life at that church. Yeah. They're going to be moving to Texas. And so for them to be a part of that room and to represent their family, oh, that's so perfect, right? Yeah, that's going to be awesome. 
That's so good. How about you? Oh man, it's it's been cool. Been uh, been sad over the past week though, since the Lakers didn't make it out of the first round. But oh. that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's it, you think about it. What seventy one days between seasons? The shortest ever. Not that it's an yeah. excuse, but you gotta take that into consideration. How tired both they, the Miami Heat. Yeah. Uh, you know, the only team from the top fours that's still around is the Nuggets. And so uh-huh. rest definitely is going to be good for the Lakers. So I, yeah. I've been mourning the fact that they didn't make it out of the first round, but that's okay. That's okay. Other than yeah. that, uh, I'm excited for uh, what's to come in the next uh, few months with the summer coming. A lot of great activities happening for me, but you know, things, things, things have been good. Things have been good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyhow, you know, Father's Day is this coming Sunday, June 20th. And for this week's icebreaker, I was wondering what, what would you say is the most challenging piece of wisdom that your father, that your earthly father, that your dad has ever given you? Kevin, let's start off with you. What's the most challenging piece of wisdom your dad has ever given you? Right now, he's looking down from heaven saying, don't mess this up, son, because I've said this to you so often. And I'm getting to glare down. I'm feeling the heat. Yes, I understand that I'm supposed to tell this story. And my dad is a man of few words Uh and of a stone-cold glare. Hmm. So if you get the glare, then you understand that that you're going to get the talk. And the talk would usually come like this. Kevin, don't be stupid. (laughs) Those four words, uh, sure, I can count. I'm a, I'm a voice actor. I, that's uh, four words. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be. That was three words. Don't hire me as a mathematician. Hire me as a voiceover actor. Yeah, that's four so, syllables, though. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You know what? Your ride is here. <laughs> when you talk about that, don't be stupid. He says that that could go for all different types of situations. And he said it sort of tongue in cheek. Mm-hmm. He I mean, just just don't be stupid. And the other thing that he always says to me that made me laugh, and is especially if you're somebody's being mean to you, he always says, "Well, you know what? Every morning they put their pants on just like you do. So guess what? They're just as normal as you are. They just need to realize it more often." Yeah, that's good. Those two things stuck with me. That's good. Yeah, thanks for sharing. How about you, Chris? What is the most challenging piece of wisdom your dad has ever given you? Uh, I would have to say it has to do with the painting. It's just uh, just watch and listen. Hmm. Uh, when my dad kind of picked up his, his painting career again when he retired in his mid-60s, you know, I, I kind of began to notice the calming effect it had on him. Hmm. And he's like Kevin's dad. Dude, he's like your dad too, Derek. Like he doesn't talk. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, and so for 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 the way he talks is acts of service. That's mm. his love language. And so when I saw him do my very favorite painting ever of my Lola, uh, I found it to be super expressive. And when he was done with it, you know, is it's as if he went on, you know, some alternate dimension and captured the essence of my Lola on, on a, on a canvas. Mm. And ever since I saw that, I saw the, the comic effect it had on him. I was like, dude, I want to do that. And yeah, it's been, ever since then, I've been on an artistic journey to, you know, that's going to eventually lead me to doing oil and doing portraits. So, that's so cool. Yeah. Watch and listen. How about you? Yeah. It's funny you say that, Chris, something similar with my dad, you know, the most challenging piece of wisdom he's ever given me was those two words, Kevin, two words, just watch. 
And yeah. I mean, my dad was, and he still is a genius under the hood of a car. And he's a, he's a self-made mechanic. And, mm. you know, to this day. Oh, I've seen a lot of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> to this day, he's, <laughs> he's my go-to when my car needs attention. And I wow. grew up around him fixing other people's cars. He, he would buy clunkers and flip them around for a profit. And, I, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and I always wanted to know what each, you know, like what each wire represented. I, I always wanted him, you know, I always asked him why he connected, let's say, like that hose to that tubing. And and all my dad, Chris and Kevin, all he yeah. would say is, just watch. And, uh, you know, it infuriated me because he <laughs> yeah, never really imagine. taught me anything. <laughs> and I yeah. would eventually leave in frustration thinking my dad didn't want me to learn his craft. I thought he was selfish. Well, in hindsight, it was a Mr. Miyagi moment, right? I didn't realize yeah. that I actually did learn a lot by just watching. I, I guess it's the repetition of observing because one of the traits that I do credit my dad for that I have is me being a great observer. But yeah. you know, it was challenging because I wanted him to tell me everything and take me step by step and how to you know, change out an engine or rewire yeah. certain things. But at the end of the day, I did learn a thing or two uh, on how to take care of the basics of my car. I could change my oil, of course. I could change my spark plugs. You know, I can even change my S-belt. And and at time, I even had to change Marissa's. Uh, she had a crack in one of her filters, and I was able to change that out. And so I, I did uh -huh. learn a lot. Um, and so... I look at my life now and this the trait that I have of observing and studying well even I credit my dad for. And so as challenging as mm -hmm. it was, it was definitely something wise in the way that he, you know, in my upbringing with him. And so I'd say that. I'd say that was the most challenging wisdom he's ever given me. Just watch. All right. And so just June 19th over at Vintage Faith out in Culver City, yep. we're actually going to be doing an event called Love the Summer. Uh, it's on June 19th. It's from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. And this is at 1266-8 on West Washington Boulevard in Los Angeles. Uh, I'll be doing live art there along with Ronnie Robles from season one. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have Emma Gazely hosting uh, hosting the art room. Uh, we're also going to have Pop-Up Pantry, Laundry Love. Uh, Love the City Thrift Store is also going to be representing and a lot of other artists and also the vintage coffee guys. Yeah, I'm excited too. I've, you know, we have we have a budget now, we have a bank account, and I've been like a kid in a candy store. I've been buying a ton of things, of course, in wisdom. I've been buying a ton of things for the shop. And, you know, it, it, I, I was able to train someone this other, this past few, past, I don't know, the other day, I think, because uh, they're going to help. And, uh, you know, make drinks. And then someone reached out to me because after the big event on the 19th, we're going to start doing pop-ups every Thursday and serving oh, nice. coffee to the community. And it's going to be all donation-based uh, up until we officially open. And so I'm excited. If you're ever in the Culver City mm -hmm. area, or if you're not, head on over to Vintage Coffee Co. and get a free coffee. Donate what you can. And if you can't donate, you're still going to get a free coffee, both on the 19th yeah. and every week after or afterwards. Mm -hmm. So a uh, cheap plug for that. If you, if you want more information, um, you can go to at uh, Culver City Hub on Instagram about uh, the art, art space info. You can also, of course, go to at VintageCoffee.com. 
co to get more information about the coffee shop but yeah love the summer pop-up it's going to be fun it's going to be fantastic we invite you to come out before we get into the rest of our show today don't forget we do have a brand new instagram page thank you to everyone who has recently connected with us through instagram as i always say very dramatically but (laughs) if you're not following us yet please make sure to check us out for news and updates our Instagram handle is at breathe.podcast and help us out by spreading the word. Okay, I also want to take time to remind everybody to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and let us know how we're doing. Show us some love and can you can even list out some questions that you would like us to address on the show and we'll get our best to answering them in a timely manner. And if you hit that subscribe button to get notifications every time we release a new episode. And then finally, I also want to encourage you to head on over to our Patreon page under my first and last name, Derek Engoy, and you can specifically support this podcast by becoming an executive producer and helping to support the costs that go into producing the show. We have different levels of support from $1 a month to 3 10 and 20 and each tier you get additional rewards as our way of saying thank you we have audio downloads of the original music of course that you hear on the show poems that i put up and performance videos that are exclusive to our patreon audience you also get uncut unedited full-length interview audio files of all of our guests too so head on over to patreon today show your support and hey thanks ahead of time for the love all right. It's uh, been a while since I've driven the Breathe Mobile. Chris and Kevin, the you've ride. been on fire. And so uh, I've been out of sorts, if you will, and out of out of practice. But uh, I forgot that it was my turn uh, to lead this discussion. But last week, I had the chance to chat with a guy by the name of Rabbi Brian. And let me just say, you guys listening out there are in for an amazing treat. I think it's safe to say, yeah, on this show at least, hearing from three very different flavors of Christians, and and might I add somewhat three non-traditional flavors of Christians uh, in the three of us here, Uh, this week we have a very non-traditional Jewish rabbi. We we talked Mm -hmm. a few weeks back about God coloring outside of the lines. Well, Pastor, I called him Pastor, I think, in the interview. Uh, Rabbi Brian uh, is one who colors outside of the lines in ridiculously wonderful ways in Judaism. Uh, But one main theme that seemed to tie the entire interview together was this idea of truth. And in sharing the biblical story of Jonah, Rabbi Brian said that his life is marked by the ability to continually live as honest as possible. He even quoted the fashion designer, Paloma Picasso, and said this. He said, art is a lie that enables us to see the truth. And as artists, whether it be poetry for me or painting for you, Chris, or voice acting for you, Kevin, there's a lot of truth discovery in all of our journey as artists. And whether it be truth about ourselves or truth about God or truth about life, we are on a constant journey toward discovering truth. So. Yeah. Let's chat about truth for a bit before we get into Rabbi Brian's interview. Uh, it's a two-parter, so let me tackle the first question, and then I'll give you mm-hmm. all a chance to respond, and then I'll ask the follow-up question. But the first question, and let's start with you, Kevin. Uh, why is it so hard for people to believe 
the truth when they hear it, whatever the truth might be. Why is it so hard for people to believe the truth? Well, I think it is because sometimes truth uh, truth is in the mind of the beholder, or you have to look at the person that's telling you the story mm-hmm. in order to see if if you really want to believe what they're telling you. I can say from the standpoint of voice acting, I could play any character that you want, and then but you, then you notice that I always look like Dilbert, but it doesn't matter what I look like because I got the tie on. I could be the storyteller. I could be any character that you want. And so my message as a voice actor is, is to use my voice to move into the character. Mm -hmm. So whatever the character says, I'm portraying their truth as they see it. And then truth is into interpretation. But as far as truth as somebody telling you something, I say you have to always look and see, do they have ulterior motives Mm. in what they're telling you? Or like our guest tonight, which I love about him, he shoots from the hip mm-hmm. and he'll tell you truth in ways that you don't think you know it. But then when you analyze it back and go, wow, I, I really needed that. Yeah. I really needed somebody to talk to me straight. And I'll just tell you from this interview, Rabbi Brian is an excellent rabbi because he's redefined the way I look at the work, the, the, the role of rabbi. Cause you know, you expect this traditional person and he's just broke through that mold. Yeah. There are things I learned through this interview that I was like, Wow. <laughs> He's amazing. Uh, how about you, Chris? Why is it so hard for people to believe the truth when they hear it? Uh, I think it's just due to to having the, fa- the potential of having to face something ugly. Hmm. I mean, yeah, like in Carbon's episode, she was talking about writing about human issues, yeah. you know, the, the human sex trafficking. And yeah, that's a hard time. That's a hard pill to swallow when we realize that we're the monster in a lot of cases. Yeah. You know, uh, like, yeah, like with my depression, I chose to isolate myself, you know, and so you have to actually look to the mirror and say, yeah, I I had a lot to do with what I did and I kind of did it to myself. And that's kind of tough to face, Mm -hmm. you know, especially in today's society, what we're talking about, like the whole uh, we only like to highlight, you know, good things and we never talk about the bad things. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the longer, longer you go on, that bad thing ends up consuming who you are. And yeah, I'm just glad that I'm on the other end of it now. Mm. With that said, you know, the next question is somewhat similar, but it's on the other foot, I guess, if you will. Uh, Yeah. Kevin, why is it hard for people to live a life of truth? We've tackled the question of believing in the truth, but why do you think it's hard for people to live a life of truth or even I'll say life of conviction? Well, I can only tell you a story that happened to me recently. When I when I read this question, I thought, how can I tell this best? And I'll use my um, voice coach's example because before working with him, none of the other voice coaches I mentioned ever mentioned to me that I think some of the ways I speak when I do voice acting is due to my cerebral palsy. And when he first said that, it hurt. Hmm. And I and I and I, I I felt shot at, and I, I left like a wounded puppy. I go thinking, why am I even doing this? Because he's he's pu- he's pulling out all these parts of me in my speech that I just wanted to gloss over before. And mm. and he's going back there. No, let's let's talk about that. Why do you speak that? And now I have to do a harsh look at what I read because there's certain things that I'm doing that 
he goes and points out and he says, you're doing it again. You're doing it again. I'm like, what am I doing? And he said, you, you're overcompensating at this point where you don't need to do that. And he says, I think that's because of your cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, either that's a really ballsy look to, to look at it, or there's some truth to that. And, and I can say, why is it hard for people to live a life of truth? It's because it's hard to look at it when you say, Kevin, you have a disability. And, and part of that is probably going across in your voice acting. And you really don't want to look at that or fix it. Hmm. That's what I'm seeing. But when, but when I face it and look at it and go, you know, you know what, there's, there is a nugget of truth in what he's saying. Yeah. So I have to look at it. He said, what, you, what happens with you is he says, you, you're, you've probably heard all the time in your life that you've had a good voice. So you push that toward people in an act to say, hopefully you see that I have a good voice. So you won't have to ask me about my cerebral palsy. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How about you, Chris? Uh, I, I think it's hard to do the right thing just because, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just a tough thing to do because sometimes, I mean, you look at lockdown, I mean, a majority of the, of the people stayed at home or at home. And so, and then you also had these people that were throwing like a big spring break party, that COVID party to say, you know, that, that COVID was a hoax and then the host gets COVID and dies. And so it's just hard a, a lot of times. And it's like, anytime you want to do anything that requires discipline, especially when you're honestly trying to, you know, to be really good at it, you know, like an art form, like the ones that we've chose, I mean, it requires you to give more and more time and more and more effort as you go up those, those rungs of the ladder. And yeah, sometimes, yeah, it's like, dude, do I really want to do that? It's going to require this much effort to do a book or it's going to require this much effort to do a movie or a mural. Are you willing to do that? And sometimes, yeah, you, you slack off. Sometimes uh, you need that accountability partner. And that's what's awesome about having you guys around is your enthusiasm for what you guys are doing, even though we're not doing the same thing, it rubs off on me. It makes me want to do good, too. So just being able to associate yourself too with with a lot of good people makes doing the right thing a little easier. Yeah. But yeah, it's hard to live in the truth though. What about you, Derek? Yeah, I I think it for me it goes back to offending others. Yeah. And so, you know, when we stand on conviction, obviously there's going to be a good chunk of others who are going to be offended by what you believe in. And when you take a stand on something, that's just the natural part. And I think we've come to a point in our lives that we just don't want to offend people anymore. And we want to live harmonious and even to the extent where we just kind of swallow who we truly are for the sake of being nice and you know, what world really is that if everyone is just being nice without, you know, standing up for their own beliefs? And, you know, I think when I was an early, let's take religion, for example, when I was an early believer, I was really hesitant to share Jesus because I didn't want to offend anybody until I realized, well, it's not really me people are taking offense to. Because Jesus himself is offensive. I mean, he the life that he lived, forget the whole God thing for a moment, but just who he was when he walked the earth, human physical Jesus, and what he stood for, it divided society. 
especially between yeah. the religious and I'll call them regular, if you will. You know, I mean, he was talking about turning the other cheek. I mean, who really wants to do that? Right. He talked about loving your enemy. Who really wants to do that? And so a lot of the truths and a lot of the lifestyle patterns that Jesus taught was offensive to people. And but he stood for something. And in him standing for something, ironically, it really got people thinking. Obviously, it started a movement that we know of now as the Christian church. But, you know, especially in the early phases, early stages, especially in the book of Acts, you you see this movement of people. Yes, they were bent on trying to spread the truth of Jesus, but they were doing it in love. They were doing it in service. They were doing it in kindness. Obviously, this is before Paul came along because Paul was very vicious in the way that he articulated the gospel. But when you look at the early church before what I, Acts 9, up until Acts 9, you had this community of people just really desiring to share this goodness. And, you know, I, I look at my life now, or let's just say life now in general, people just don't want to offend anyone. So they just don't say anything really, you know. Uh, and if you do, then you either stand on one side of the extreme or the other. And so I think that, I think it's hard for people to live a life of truth because they just don't want to offend anyone anymore. And, you know, they rather just play nice than actually live for something, stand for something. Um, and so that's what I would say. Yeah. 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 I kind of agree on that too. Yeah. Uh, it, it's one of those things where, well, if people come from a compassionate point of view, they actually share things. Right. And I think if we got to that level, oh man, the world would be so much easier place to get along, you know? Yeah. I, I don't think we're at that point yet. Yeah. I mean, I even look at, let's say, let's just say, because that's our context, the three of us, let's say just in a Christian circle, like I can mm-hmm. stand up for, let's say our houseless friends and say, Hey, we need to find ways to serve. And then you'll have a Christian right next to me who might say, Oh no, that's offensive. Like how dare we help them because they couldn't help themselves. So why should we help them? You know, and yeah. I've had so many Christians be offended at the fact that I wanted to do something to help the houseless community. And mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, really? Like you're offended by the fact that I want to show compassion and more, more times than not in their response, they would say, well, then you go ahead and do something. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to live my life for Jesus. Uh, and I was like, what do you mean you're going to live your life for Jesus? Wouldn't Jesus do something similar? Now, I'm not saying, you know, if you don't have the resources, you don't have the resources. I get it. But yeah. if you do, which is most of us who have, you know, a job and who live in houses and whatnot, I mean, we have more than those on the streets. And and they'll argue, well, if I gave them something, you know, they might use the money for drugs. Well, then don't give them money. Give them something to eat. You know, do something. Yeah. You know? And so even in that, taking a stand, even within the context of Christianity, taking a stand for something is grounds for offending even our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so yeah, people get perhaps are getting too fed up with it. They'd rather just not say anything, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyhow, hey, thank you guys for your thoughts on truth. Great discussion, which is yeah. an amazing segue to our interview today, Rabbi... Brian from Portland, Oregon.
Well, all right. Today on the Breathe Faith and Creativity podcast, we have a wonderful guest for you today as a licensed pastor myself who tends to color outside of the lines of religiosity, if you will. Uh, We have a rabbi who is of similar makeup. He has a weekly newsletter that catalogs his thoughts on religion and spirituality. He also has a podcast called Religion Outside the Box, which I love that title. And according to his Instagram bio, it simply says husband, dad, and progressive AF rabbi. I love it. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Pastor Brian or Rabbi Brian, welcome to the show and thanks for hopping on today. How's it going? Thank you, Derek. You see you color outside the lines. I'm not even sure there are lines. That's right. That's right. That's right. I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer that that God he does have these parameters, but he he God wants us to color outside the lines, and you know, that's you, that's right. Yeah. I, I I always say I don't think God needs to hear the same prayer again. Mm-mm. No, no, no. God's like really that one. <laughs> I mean, it was good. It's still good. It's a classic. Yeah. But come on. <laughs> We need to we need to innovate some prayers a little bit. Come on, come on, man! I, I created you in a certain way. So, uh, yeah. hey, really, if quickly. I can jump straight, let me jump really deep in right now. Let's on do that. it. Love it. I just had this thought this week for the first time. It came out of my head clearly. You know, there's a you think about something and then it just came out clearly in my head. Was I don't think that God had a much better relationship with humanity in the past year Mm. so much so that we should emulate what the people in the past did with the hopes of the glimpse of the divine wow as opposed to looking for god in the here and now right keep going keep going unpack that more no that's it (laughs) that's it it's um that's good. What what are we doing? Yeah. What do we do? We really think God was like, "Yeah, I'm out of here," and if you don't do it exactly as I wrote back then, mm. you're wrong. Like what? Yeah. Oh, that can't make no. Yeah. That make that's like put, making God a dick who runs the escape room. <laughs> that's right. I love that. I've never heard it that way. I love it. I just that's the first time I've ever said that. <laughs> a first for everything on this show. Even from your vantage point. Yeah, I love that. Um, Wow. Don't think God is a dick running an escape room. Mm. I think that's it. Let's put that on a bumper sticker. Yeah. You know, as a poet, there's this, uh, I love, he's a a homie. He's a fellow poet and friend of our group that, you know, we run a open mic in Long Beach and his name is Rudy Francisco. And um, one of his lines, I'm going to butcher it, but something to the effect that he says, God is not someone up there with a magnifying glass trying to heat us up with the sun, you know? And I think whether you are of a Jewish, you know, flavor or Protestant Christian like myself, I mean, that's that's not who God is. Yeah. 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 That's a lot of labels. And I also, this one I've said before, but I don't think I can imagine God going, you made teams. (laughs) What? No, I hadn't planned on that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, why'd you make teams? Yeah. Yeah. Is that working? Because that doesn't seem to fit with what I'm trying to tell you. Right. And, and so in, in a quick nutshell, what do you think God is trying to tell humanity in this moment right now? I'm going to quote Jimmy Hendrix. Can I quote Jimmy Hendrix? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. When the power of love mm. exceeds the love of power, then we'll know peace. Wow. I love it. Yeah, that's so good. Um, 
Hey, really quick bio moment. Who who's Ra- uh, Rabbi Brian, and what makes you you? I mean, how do you turn the ship right? I mean, we went we we dove like really yeah. deep, and then <laughs> we go yeah. back a little bit. Yeah. But let's 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 go back, and and for our listeners who may not be familiar with you, yeah. Uh, who, no. who who are you, and what makes you you? Hi, this is me. <laughs> um, I was ordained as a. I grew up uh, New York City, Upper West Side Jew. Uh, it seemed normal at the time. Mm. <laughs> what you know, you grow up in seems normal at the time. Right. Um, I studied architecture and wound up going to rabbinical school to figure out once and for all that there was no God. Mm. And then I could go be an architect. Not that I'm saying I found out there is a God, right. but I found out there's not, not a God. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'm going with that. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and then I worked as a rabbi, like I did rabbi stuff, like normal rabbi stuff. And let's bring this right into art. Like any artist has got to, you got to, you got to do your chops. You got to learn how to play a scale and how to do thirds, how to do court. You have to learn the basics. Mm-hmm. You have to learn how to do it before you make art. Yeah. And I, I did. I, I, I did a bunch of years as a straight, normal rabbi. I mean, I still was kicky. <laughs> I told jokes from the pulpit. But yeah. I, it was, it was normal. Um, and then, I couldn't hack it. Mm. I couldn't hack what I, I felt like we were, I was colluding in what I didn't believe. And I, I and I was doing that in religion. Mm. And like, that's not a cool place to be not genuine. Right. So I, I dropped out. I didn't know what the hell to do. And my wife told me to go. She said, you like teaching, go be a teacher. And so I said, no, and then uh, two years later, I'm like, I think I'm going to go right. get another master's degree in education. <laughs> um, so I did. And then I taught high school math to inner city kids in Los Angeles. Okay. So you uh, were in New York. Now you're in Los Angeles. No, now I'm in time, Portland. Well, between no, no, those times of, of New York, yeah. then you taught in Lo- Now you're up in Portland. Okay. Uh, I'm yeah. getting the, the geography here a it's little all bit. Over. So I, I, I taught math in, in L.A. because when you have a title of rabbi and not many other skills, you got to find something that they need. And they needed math teachers who could get by a little in Spanish. Right. So I got a job. Um, and I taught math and I did great at it. And then I, we, I got a job up here. Actually had a Catholic high school teaching math. Interesting. Uh, Yeah. And then my, this little ministry that I'm doing now took off more and I couldn't, I couldn't be a dad, a math teacher and a, whatever I'm doing in religion. Yeah. Um, so I had to drop one of them. I wasn't going to drop my family uh-huh. and uh, the kids will find another math teacher. <laughs> yeah. um, and actually I put it a little differently. I, I think I traded populations. Hmm. I traded for, for kids who I'm going to go on a little long roll here. That's but okay. Why not? So if you teach fourth grade, the kids still um, want stickers and a hug. Right. I taught high school. The need's the same, but the kids can't admit that they want a sticker and a hug. Yeah. And then you move up to adults. Mm. And that's where I am now. Who also can't admit they need a sticker and a hug, right? And you know what I do in my services now? We have a time in the service where I go, all right, who earned a raffle ticket? Uh And they all know you earn a raffle ticket if you did something you're proud of in the last week. And it's like me and... Sometimes I'll even say, and if you need me to send you a sticker, I'll send you a sticker. Yeah. 
just because they want to be acknowledged. So they what, want to be. So what do you raffle off? Oh, that's the best part. They know it's just a raffle ticket. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, I, my daughter, she's 12. Uh-huh. She joined my services. I did not ask her to. Um, but she joined and she, she was like, but dad, there have to, like, there has to be a raffle. <laughs> no, like, cause the point is the ref, like that adults are saying, you know, I didn't get mad until after five seconds mm. last week. Yeah. Like, well, holy shit, Carol, that's great. Excuse my language. No, it's okay. It's okay. So I could just imagine, and maybe it's different in your context, when you're talking about the raffle tickets and people just either raising their hands or telling what they're proud of, how how challenging is that for people? Because I can imagine it's hard for people to come up with things Um, that they're proud of, or is it different in your context? So I think it's hard for them first to admit Mm. that they want someone to be proud of them. Mm. Yeah. So that's a big bound. That's a, I think that's the biggest thing is adults are really, and it, and I learned this teaching high school. Nobody learns in shame. Mm, yeah. No one learns when they're shamed. You might do it differently, but you're going to harbor a resentment. Yeah. You don't learn in shame. And so I kept my classrooms shame-free zones. And when I run my services, I don't do any Hebrew in my services anymore because mm. I don't want to shame anyone who doesn't know English. Like if you don't know the prayers in Hebrew, you're going to just like be moving your lips al- and also back to what we said about God not needing the same old prayer. Right. Right. Um, so I, d- I do my best not to embarrass people and they, you know, they own it a little bit. Yeah. I said to someone recently, I said, uh, adults hate to be treated like children and don't you dare ever not treat them like children. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Disneyland, right? Yeah. Adults want to be able to play. They just don't know how, how yeah. to. And that brings me straight back to faith, creativity, and art. Mm-hmm. It's all about play. Yeah. I mean, my favorite amusement park is Universal Studio just for the sheer make-believe of putting yourself in another character. And I mean, I wanted to yeah. be a stuntman when I was a kid because of, you know, a lot of the shows that they had back in the day. And I love that. I've got I love- one of my former kids is is in the w- Wizarding World. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, she's uh, she, she she's Brianna. She's she's like totally too too awesome and does that's that's what she wanted to do. Yeah, cool. Well, hey, so talk to us about a, uh, some of the biggest challenges that you face. Maybe coming from the traditional bent of being a rabbi to now what you're doing now. What are some of the challenges that you face? Challenge is um, be it's it's goofy, but it's also the thing that's the the thing that frees me the most is being honest. Mm. Being honest at a at a at a rabbi, there was a thing on the rabbi thread today about um, which uh, I'm 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 considering doing weddings, co-officiating weddings with ministers or people of other faiths, and I'm curious what do all of you think? And there were all these like I would never co-officiate, and which is not what the man asked. He asked, "How have you done it?" Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about doing it and everyone's just like piling on uh, this. And I wrote back, I've done it. It's not a problem. Uh, I've had the same horror stories with uh, clergy that I've had with caterers. Like there's nothing particularly wrong about it. Yeah. My job's to make a wedding reflective of the couple. And then I wrote, and I was afraid to post this for what you will all think of me. Hmm. So that's the the biggest challenge is knowing for whom I work and that plug ears for a second. 
that the fuck cards can just suck it. (laughs) Sorry. You need me to translate any of that? No, no, you're good. And you don't yeah, need you to apologize. All these words, and you don't right? need to, Hey, I grew up in the hood of yeah. LA. So I I, I understand. <laughs> you know Lincoln Heights? Yeah. Yeah. I mean That's I, where I taught. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Not not quite as close, but my wife used to teach LA USD and she she taught in South Central. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. So. <laughs> and if you can teach public school in LA? Oh, yeah. I you that's where I am now. It's like y'all don't scare me. <laughs> Yeah. You mentioned you're in Portland. What part? What what area? Uh, north, northeast Portland. Okay. Where, where the good beer is. Yeah. I uh, I visited there once and a um, couple of Foursquare pastors uh, opened up a nonprofit pub called the Oregon Public House. And uh, oh, nice. great stuff. Great beer. Great, great now, food. Talk to me about Foursquare because, dude, I've, I've been scared of the Foursquare. <laughs> well. No, seriously. There, there's some like. We're all gonna die. Stuff that some four squares are posting with the with a picture of the moon dripping with red blood and like some scary stuff. Well, yeah, I, I would say that maybe within most of the denominations, you do have your left field type of thinking. But I mean, we were our denomination is fairly new relative to the rest of the Protestant denominations out there. I think nineteen nineteen ish twenty one. Was well, when it was started. Squares, like we believe that I remember I approached Foursquare when I first was a rabbi. I'm like, hey, I'd love to interface. And they said, we already have a mission to the Jews. Oh, I no. was like, oh, what? Yeah. Nah. In my experience, that's that's not how we roll, I guess, now. Maybe in some okay. some places in the country. No, sure. no, that's totally <laughs> cool. I'm so glad yeah. we're talking. Yeah. I was like, Foursquare, run. <laughs> hey, even as a Foursquare minister in some places, I'm like, all right, I'll, I got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, Dude, I'm the same way with yeah. the rabbi. Yeah, like, I mean, we were started, right. our denomination was started by a woman, which she got a lot of, you know, according to what I've read, I mean, she got a yeah. lot of flack for it, obviously. Um, okay, well, the one so. that I knew, I'm good. You see what happens when you make an assumption based on the one right Man, bad rabbi. Yeah. Um, it's good on your website. Uh, so you got three gifts listed on your website, uh, grief, yeah. help, how to deal with assholes, spiritual, religious yeah. yummies. Can you unpack those three for us a little bit? What does those mean to you? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's the internet. So you want to like collect people's email addresses. Cause that's how you know you're winning. Yeah. So they say, well, what can you give away? And I have this great, PDF about mourning mm. is everything that I've learned about mourning written pretty succinctly and laid out well. Uh, and I, I want to give that away because it's a great resource for people because people don't, people don't know how to mourn. Mm-hmm. Like there's a great quote. Grief is the last act of love. Mm. Yeah. That's then you get permission to grieve. So I want to help people to grieve in a natural human way. So I, I have that for free. The how to deal with impossible people. Um, that was a a, a, um, a lesson my friend Larry taught me. Uh, and it's a three steps of like, you have someone impossible in your life. Here are the three steps you can do. Like if you're really fed up with them and you're like, I don't know what to do. I got no, here's what you do. And, and I'll give you the, the punchline to it, Derek is, the it the punchline is four letters long. It's L O V E. That's how you deal with impossible people. Is you have to love them. Yeah. Because if you don't love them, they're going to stay impossible. Right. And then the third one is the newsletter, and that's that's really the way that I communicate with my uh, with my 
that's my ministry. Right. Like I got 2,000 people I send a, a newsletter to every Monday except the last of the month. Right. And that's a so, 77% newsletter? Yeah. So it's 40 out of 52 weeks a year. I take one week off a month to go like <laughs> to do all the paperwork and everything else I'm doing when I'm not writing. Yeah. And it, it, it takes the pressure off of me because writing, writing a real good coaching article every week, that takes some time and some work. Yeah. So I give myself time off and I think, and that the it, I just scheduled it to go out next Monday, because um, that will be the last of the month, and and it, it just says make sure to take time off, hmm. yeah. like stop, right? St- start a revolution, stop. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's the third freebie, and then there's, there's I like giving stuff yeah. away. So someone who goes on your site, subscribes to your newsletter, what can they expect? Other than those three, I'm assuming a news a newsletter. <laughs> 40 out of 52 weeks a year. <laughs> you get it on Monday morning. Yeah. Um, as a, and it, and it gives people a month. It, it combats the Mondays. Mm-hmm. It's a little spiritual nugget. Uh, I just am writing one right now about being in the present moment. And I write pretty well, Derek, I'm going to humble brag that one. <laughs> um, like, so I was with my daughter and I'm taking her in the, in the minivan to go get a shot. And she's crying. She hates getting shots. Mm-hmm. And I had the thought of, well, isn't that odd? Because the shot is like 3.4 miles away. Right. It's not like she's not in any pain right now. Mm. But she is. And I thought about my own life because it's easy to preach at my children. I try not to do that. But I thought about my own life and how many of the things that I'm worried about and how many of my pain points are imaginary. Mm-hmm. They're 3.4 miles away. They're not, mm. they're not here. Yeah. And then I pivot on that story and tell a different story. It also was about my daughter when she was three and I'm tickling her. We're waiting in the doctor's office. I'm just tickling, tickling her and she pees in my lap. <laughs> and it was at that moment where like, and I'm like, ah, and I hold her out. Like, you know, that, that classic that I hold her out and I'm like, this is disgusting. And then the thing in my head snapped and I thought, it's not actually disgusting hmm. at this moment. Yeah. It's kind of warm and it's nice. <laughs> and I had to undo my, my pre reaction to it mm-hmm. to be in the moment where I was like, you know what? At this moment, it's nice. It's warm. Yeah. The walk to the car was a little cold. <laughs> After the wind gets to it. Right. <laughs> it's not always sunny here in Portland. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, it's not. No. So, uh, so it's about being in the moment. And then, uh, you know, it just gives people a little thing to think about for the whole week of like, think about living in the moment this week or yeah. think about self-kindness or think about, uh, think about loving assholes. Yeah. Yeah. The, the impossible people. Right. Not, right. Not taking any other. I got awkward for a moment there, Derek. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, from a spiritual perspective, how, how, how would you say your faith however you would define that. How would you say that plays a role in your creativity? I love art. Mm-hmm. I encourage people to do art all the time because you can learn when you're doing an art project. If you learn to watch yourself and how you treat yourself while you're trying to create art with the muses, you can learn about how you deal with the rest of life. Mm-hmm. So when I'm doing an art project and I'm like, I don't know how this is. I do stained glass. Okay. 
and, and I've, I've been doing that for years and I'm be- much better at it now. But I, I remember I would look at a project and be like, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to finish that. Hmm. Like, I don't know what's going to look right, but I know I'll get there. And so for me, faith, I, I, that's what faith feels like. It's like, I'm not there yet, but I know I'm going to get there. Yeah. So that, there's a great quote from a guy named the Baal Shem Tov, big, big Jewish guy. And he said this quote, and Derek, you're going to like this quote. It's, he said, let me fall if I must fall. I have no fear for the one I am becoming will catch me. Hmm. Yeah. That is good. I have a poem that's something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. I just listened to your spoken word artistry. I don't know, uh, you know, when, when this broadcast is going out, but go back and listen to that people. It was totally good. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's wild just because of the pandemic. I haven't performed live in front of people in a long time. So I'm like, you know what? Let me put a set together and just broadcast it out there to people who listen online. And it was, it was wild. It was fun. It's not the same as live though. No, it's not. It's not. Um, but thank you. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Hey, so how would you describe to someone religion outside the box? I would say it's like religion outside the box. <laughs> but, um, so my my bride's deceased brother okay. was a a haughty guy. Like and he was a, and he would while they were driving, he would just look at churches as they drove and go, "Oh look, another God box." <laughs> and religion outside the box is the idea that look if if you find your sense of connection and wonder while fly fishing Hmm. don't come to services with me go fly fishing yeah like there's there's no there's like figure out what works for you i'm a big fan of personal autonomy Hmm. that i'm not the one to tell you what to do with your religious life i'm a i'm a subject matter expert in a bunch of parts of it and i got ideas but unless you ask me I'm not going to tell you how that what you should be doing. Yeah. Or I'm going to do it really really cautiously. Right. Cuz cuz there's that truth the quote from Krishnamurti. He said truth is a pathless land. I can't think there's a path. Yeah. Yeah, it just remind me I recently preached a sermon and uh I ended up doing a little sidebar and telling folks, look, if you are on your way to church and it's like 1025, our services are at 1030 and you come across someone on the street who needs help and they're asking you for help. It's okay to be late for church. I mean, we stream our services online anyways, be late to church. It's like, come on now. Yeah. That was a thing I learned teaching high school. It was, there is no lesson in algebra that should not be interrupted for a lesson in humanity. Mm. That's so good. Hey, so a lot of things that we talked about, especially in this past season, it just kind of morphed into this where a lot of our guests talked a lot about their emotional health and mental healing and, and such like that through their creative art and what they do. Yeah. Uh, how ha, Have you experienced personal healing at any level uh, regarding emotional, through, mental health through what you do out there, whether it is as a rabbi through your newsletter? Um, how, how would you talk about that? Yeah, uh, we do. We'll do a quickie on the story of Jonah. Mm-hmm. Like Jonah gets called by God to do a certain thing, and Jonah's like, ah, ah, and goes the other way. Yeah. And when there's, uh, he's on a ship, and that's when there's a big storm. I know you know what I'm telling you for everyone. Else. Yeah, yeah, for there's sure. A storm, and that's when Jonah realizes, look, 
everyone on the boat's going to die because I ran away from God. Mm-hmm. And so Jonah jumps over the, sh- the jumps out of the boat. And that's when the fish swallows him. That's the part everyone remembers. The right. fish. And I see myself as that, is that I have to tell the truth and that I see it. And, and I can find healing. I can, and even if it's scary, like, it would have been safer for Jonah to stay in the boat, mm-hmm. take everyone down with him. But jumping off the boat, that that's what I see my job is, to be as honest as I can. And Picasso, I think Paloma Picasso said, art is a lie that enables us to see the truth. And in what I'm doing, I'm trying to help people see the truth. Mm-hmm. And it is art. And here, oh, 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 analogy time. Go for it. Go for it. Science is to truth mm-hmm. as religion is to God mm-hmm. as art is to beauty. Yeah. And we can't define truth. We can't define God and we can't define what makes something beautiful, mm-hmm. but we know the vehicles that get us towards there. And so let's just, um, let's, let's, let's get close. Yeah. Let's get Get more art because the more art, the more truth, the more truth. And I heard you were talking about this on a recent podcast. I heard about uh, the relationship between truth and history and science and art. Mm-hmm. It's all, I think if you're doing it right, it's all the same thing. So who is God to you? And, and, and what would you say to someone who would ask you that question or me <laughs> asking that question? Who is God to, to, to Rabbi Brian? I can give you a lot of clever answers, Derek, mm. but I don't have the answer to that. God is, uh, a placeholder for our highest ideals. Hmm. That's an idea from Eric Fromm. Yeah. Octavia Butler said, God is change. I like that. Uh, Martin Buber said, God is in the relationship we have between ourselves and others. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. Tillich said, God is the ground of our being. I like that. But I also know that God's none of those things. Hmm. And all of those, like, I'm not. You know what helped me out a lot? I'll tell you. I hate rhetorical questions when I ask them like that. I'm trying to stop doing that. I realized at some point because I was trying to get my theology. I was trying to get my theology totally beautiful and pretty, mm. and I was having a hard time getting that to happen. And I had this thought: people have been smarter than me on this planet. Chances are, right? It's probable. Sure. sure. Yeah. And they didn't get all their 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 God ducks in a row. Yeah. So I'm going to calm the hell down now. And I'm not going to get too uh, too upset if, if I don't have all my God ducks in a row. Right. And then once I was all right with that, then I can answer your question badly. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the final questions, I know that your journey in, I guess, how I would describe it as, I guess, religious leadership, if you will. Uh, what advice would you give to someone who's listening and they're considering pursuing a, a life of religious leadership, whatever that looks like? My advice to those of you considering a life in religious leadership is remember who you work for. Remember who's calling you. Hmm. That that's and, and and don't and and two other things: be kind mm-hmm. and don't be an asshole. Love it. Yeah, that's what I got. Hey, that's perfect. That's perfect. Hey, before we let you go, we do this thing. I'm sure you caught it in some of the episodes. We do this thing since we've done 
the very, very first episode of season one, up until now, we do this thing called lightning round. You down to play? I was born. <laughs> All right, here we go. So I'm gonna give you two choices. I think I have Jerry about. Maguire. Yeah, sure. That's okay. right. <laughs> Show me the money. <laughs> so I got two choices. I got about ten of these sets, and you just got to answer quick. First thought comes to your mind. Cool. Lifeline. All right. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Let's try it out. Winter or summer? Summer. Hot or cold? Wait. Does everyone know that you do a little dance when you do this part of it? Uh, no. This this is just for you. Rabbi Brian. Okay. <laughs> like you're doing the whole interview and you're there and then the lightning round and you're, you're doing the meringue. <laughs> it's how I roll, man. It's how I roll. <laughs> okay. All right. So we got your winner in summer. Hot or cold? Oh, hot. Day or night? Day. Coffee or tea? Pass. <laughs> Grapes or blueberries? Blueberries. Steven Spielberg or George Lucas? Tie. Pacific Ocean or Atlantic Ocean? Yes. <laughs> Genesis or Exodus? Oh, that's a good one, dude. I'm not doing lightning there. Uh, uh, I'm going to go Exodus. All right. And Abraham or Moses? Moses. Peace and love or humility and forgiveness? What was my second choice? So you got peace and love or humility and forgiveness? Pass. (laughs) Well, there there you have it, folks. Lightning round with Rabbi Brian Hey. Uh, before we let you go, why don't you go ahead and let us know where we can find you on social media? What you, if you just, want to promote just, anything, uh, let us know. Yeah. Um, Google Rabbi Brian. You find me. You find the newsletter. Get the downloads. They're yours. Um, I, they made me change my Instagram handle from Rabbi Brian AF. So now it's <laughs> Rabbi underscore Brian underscore 1970. So, so know. Who's they? Who's they made you change it? The same they who told me to be a teacher. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, you got a podcast too. You want to shout that I out to you? The podcast I've been playing with is called Chats with Larry. And it's me talking with my best buddy in the world is an 84-year-old Disciples of Christ minister. Okay. And I recorded our phone calls for months without telling him. Oh, okay. They're, they're beautiful. It's a long-form podcast. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So check those out. Hey, well, there you have it. Thank you so much, Rabbi Brian, for Thanks jumping for on the show me. today. What's that? Thanks for having me. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Well, there you go, gentlemen. Rabbi Brian you know, in my head, I still want to call him Pastor Brian, um, uh, which he didn't mind at all. Uh, I, I would love to spend some time with him. If I'm if I'm up in Portland, I'm definitely going to look him up. But it was such a great interview. So let's let's dive into this. I know we talked a lot and in, in depth about truth earlier. What are some other things that stood out, Chris? Let's start with you. Uh, what are what's sure. one one thing that stood out from the interview? Oh, man, with Rabbi Brian, it's the notion of since when did we make teams? You know, and it was talking about God. I love it. And I'm like, and we were we've been talking about that, like, geez, like for for a while. And it's kind of cool to hear somebody who's, you know, who's Jewish thinking the same thing. It's like, you know, if it's God first and foremost and everything goes in secondary, then it's like, yo, right? Yeah. But we kind of choose to do 
like in Carmen's episode, we're talking about the societal labels and then, yeah, and then how it hinders society and it makes it hard for us to get along. But the fact that he noticed that theme, you know, it, it it's pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my point. Yeah. Yeah. I, and this is my ignorance, right? So as a Christian, I know that we have different denominations, right? And I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not aware of, you know, Judaism having different denominations like we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when he said the whole teams aspect, and I'm sure, you know, obviously he was talking about just religion in general and just a different, yeah. different or politics too. Yeah. And right. Yeah. And it's like, God's up there saying, I never told you to do that. Like what? <laughs> it's kind of like, <laughs> yeah. right. I'm preparing a, a sermon for the summer. We're doing this series at our church called uh, Sunday school remix. And we uh-huh. are taking the common stories that we heard or many people, I didn't grow up in church. So, but many church folks mm-hmm. grew up hearing in Sunday school and I'm preparing a sermon uh, that talks about how, when the Israelites wanted a King, a human king and God was like, well, what, what do you mean you want a king? I'm your king. Uh Like, you know, like where did you get this notion that, that you need a king? And of course they wanted a king because other nations had kings and they felt left out of course. But yeah, just gosh, like why do we create so many teams and and God's like, what the heck? Yeah. What about you, Kevin? What's uh, what's one thing that stood out in the interview? I have to say one thing that stood out in the interview was, I don't know if it was his Twitter handle or what, but when it said something, maybe I got it wrong about when he said his Twitter handle was something like Rabbi Brian AF. <laughs> yeah. I started laughing. Yeah. And I, I laughed and I said, this is the type of person that I would t- like to take to a coffee shop and sit down with him and just shoot the breeze with because, yeah. because of the very fact that he went there. Yeah. You can't fault anybody for going there. And he says, I'm a rabbi and I put AF after my name because, you know, it, it, it's all in your interpretation. Yeah. It, he said, yeah, it could be my true. initials. It could be, you know, I'm yeah. Rabbi Brian AF. Yeah. And yeah. I, Air of course, Force my mind, <laughs> my mind went there and I, and I, I, it's like you, when you hear a joke in the, in the library and you know, you're not supposed to laugh and, and. That's one thing it taught me is never wear corduroy pants in a library. <laughs> Think about that. Because now you're starting to laugh. See, you know, you know, you walk and you hear that. Yeah. Or <laughs> yeah. you know, you're trying to go someplace fast. It's yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm not, kids, I'm not kids in the seventies. You know, my corduroys do that. <laughs> kids, in the, kids who didn't live up in the seventies, uh, Google it because corduroy pants were terrible no man i still actually, i still actually, rock corduroys yeah, what are you talking about rock yo. <laughs> I, I even have a corduroy uh suit not a whole suit but a blazer oh really yeah yeah man like whenever i see Derek doing service of the corduroys i'm like oh don't trust the man who wears corduroy because <laughs> i got them too man <laughs> i could just hear dirty dirty or uh, clint eastwood saying are you gonna wear a corduroy yeah are, are you gonna wear regular suit <laughs> That's cool. Uh, so, so that, that part about AF, it just, it was so shocking that he went there. Mm-hmm. But after all that he said throughout all the interview, it was like, yeah, that's just Rabbi Brian. That's where he goes. That's how he's, he does it. And it could offend or it could also invite people and go, why did he write his name there? Why did? Yeah. So it invites more conversation, which I think is a beautiful thing. Yeah. One of the things that I found 
remarkable was his raffle ticket giveaways during his Uh-oh. services. Uh-oh. <laughs> and there's no the raffle. raffle. Yeah. It. And it's like, well, what do you raffle off? And he's like, well, nothing. We just give away these pieces of paper, you know? And I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. And it's this, just, but this notion that people want to strive for something. They and, want to be validated. They yeah. want to be validated. And at the end of the day, you're not really doing it for the prize because you know there's no prize, but you're really knowing that, hey, this week I'm going to celebrate something about my life that has been a struggle, and I'm going to get this piece of paper acknowledging that it was a good week. And I could just imagine how comforted people in his congregation feels when they confess or when they share opportunities of celebration and they get this raffle ticket and and i even found a got got a kick out of his daughter saying well we have to raffle something off and it's like well no we just give away this piece of paper you know and i just thought that was wonderful i thought that was such a oh you know just such a human experience there and that human connection with his congregants uh, was amazing yeah how about you chris any other thoughts from the interview Uh, oh the the recognition of healing the inner child through art. Mm. Uh, he nailed it when he was talking about a stained glass stuff and yeah. the reason why we all do art as well. And I mean, people ask me, Hey, you're like in your mid to late forties and you've got all this energy, right? Like what's your secret? And it's like, dude, it's like Ponce de Leon's fountain of youth. If you keep chasing things that you love to do, yeah, dude, you know, your, your inner child's always happy. And I mean, now I'm illustrating cartoon images that, you know, I would love to have seen if I was a little eight-year-old kid, mm-hmm. you know? And so it takes you back, you know, to, to not only heal and develop, but I mean, it also helps you develop as an adult as well when you're when you're really, truly catering to the inner child. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And Chris doesn't know I'm going to tell this story because it happened today. And this is just an, an exa- uh, observation that I made. So there I am sitting at the coffee shop and he pulls out his pad of paper and, uh, you know, 2,700 pencils. I'm kidding. (laughs) No, that's only like 80. So, so, and I just watch, he's got a blank slate of paper and he just starts to draw. And all I could think of is if that role was reversed, we'd still be there. And I would draw this sick character. And he was like, oh my gosh, Kevin, the coffee shop closed five hours ago. (laughs) Oh, but yet he did this masterpiece in front of me and then he's, he explains everything. And so it, it's just amazing to see somebody that has a talent, knows what they're doing and you, you get to see it happen in front of you. Yeah. Uh, thanks Kevin. Chris, you owe me five bucks for every time I said art. And then- <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, for sure. No, I want to piggyback off of that though, Chris, you're right. And of course, Rabbi Brian was right. When you're chasing something you love to do, it might be hard work, but there's the joy supersedes any kind of weariness that might come from pursuing that. I, you know, I know this is nothing to do with art, but you know, and maybe this is just new for me, but you know, this coffee shop has got me really, really excited for things. And, you know, even when I, you know, worked for my buddy's coffee shop after leaving um, the branch, man, I mean, my coworker, whenever someone would come in and ask, hey, how's it going? And his normal response almost all the time was, oh, man, I'm living the dream. 
And someone might look at us and be like, oh, they're just working in coffee. But I mean, especially if you're working in craft coffee, I mean, you can't, don't tell me, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's not like you're earning a doctor's salary or anything like that. But if you're, if you're working in craft coffee, the, the secret is this, you are earning a lot more than most people are earning, um, because it's craft coffee, because it's, it's, it's a little bit more, it's a step up above corporate coffee. And, you know, um, so it's a good chunk of change you're making. People don't really know that. And, but yeah, he, he's right. My coworker, like we both loved what we were doing. Um, not only do we get to make, and I guess this is the art part of it, I guess, but not, not only do we get to make art with the coffee in terms of like making, you know, latte art and, and stuff, but it's an act of service, which I love. It's the service industry where you get to serve people drinks, food, um, and, you know, I, I, that's, that's my wheelhouse. And the thought and the idea of being able to open up or be a part of a group who's opening up a coffee shop is really exhilarating for me. And it's a lot of work. Even now, we haven't even gone into construction. We st- we're still dealing with the city and, and all that. But just the steps we're, ta- to, we're making to get there is really exciting for me. And because we're starting the pop-ups, there's even an added incentive to get excited. And so because it's what I love, it's what I'm really excited for. As hard, of, is it, as, hard as it is to work at it, um, it, there's so much joy. And, you know, I gonna, I'm going to continue to chase the things that I love and, yeah. you know, I'm not going to be tired of it. And so, yeah, uh, that was good. Any last minute thoughts before we wrap up today's show? Yeah, sure. Uh, with Rabbi Brian, when he was talking about when you're in the midst of doing a large art project and how you treat yourself is truly, you know, telling of who you are as a person and your relationship with God and the community mm-hmm. that spoke a lot to me. Wow. Uh, yeah, just being in the in the midst of something massive too, like a massive project, and not knowing exactly what it's going to look like, but you have faith. Yeah, that's also real important to me too that he had brought up. Yeah, so thanks for having me, Brian. Yeah, uh, how about you, Kevin? Last minute thoughts. Well, the last minute thought I want to put out is it was really personal for me because as a voice actor, you know, it it's a very competitive field, and I've been working at it for, I'd say, a good since two thousand eight, mm-hmm. and. I have not benefited monetarily from it, but, and I, and I look at that and I see all my other friends doing everything a lot more than me and they're reaping the benefits. And then I have to tell myself, why am I in this? Hmm. And it's, and I have to come back and say, well, I would not be happy if I wasn't in this. So I think the reason I'm in this is because it's my happiness. Yeah. And then if, if it's happiness, then, I'm richer beyond anything that I would get monetarily. And and going that route is a lot more satisfying than looking at your dwindling bank account or actually going in, in the opposite direction, which is on, on an algebra standpoint, you don't want to be in a negative. Yeah. So I, I loved that he drove that point home for me. It, it's, it's just, I think he may have said, uh, if you do what you love, you don't work a day in your life. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And so it sometimes, as I mentioned a couple of interviews ago, God pitches from right field. And this was another one where I'm listening to the interview and God pitches and it hits me <laughs> in the head and he goes, Hey, 
you got to listen to the guy that that had that pretty cool Twitter handle. <laughs> yeah. And I'm laughing. I'm going, you know, he did. And he goes, well, maybe you should listen to what he's saying. Yeah. It, yeah. It shook me. Yeah. And, you know, to that end, as we wrap up, you know, I'm a firm believer that all truth is God's truth. And mm-hmm. whether that truth comes from a rabbi or if that truth comes from an atheist or that truth comes from, you know, a graffiti artist who is just on the fence with God, if it's the truth coming out, I, I'm a firm believer that it's God's truth. Me all too. truth is his. And it doesn't have to come from the avenue of Christianity. Because uh, when you think about it, Christianity as a world religion is fairly new compared to some of the other world religions. Um, and so, you know, if I could be pastor real quick to those listening, seek the truth. Um, I, I believe that as you seek the truth and the truth for what it is, you're going to discover the goodness of God. That's what I believe. I know that humanity has prostituted God for their own benefit and they've twisted God for control and whatever. But if you just strip all that away and if you seek truth for what the truth is, you're going to discover the goodness of God. I believe that. I I found the goodness of God by seeking truth. I'm pretty sure I can speak for Christian and, and Kevin that they found the truth. They found the goodness of God by seeking the truth. So if you're out there listening, just seek the truth and follow the truth where it leads because I believe it's going to lead to God. So to that end, thank you, Rabbi Brian, for a great interview and for allowing us to wrap you up, bookend you with amazing discussions based on your interview. Um, We had another great week, and we're looking forward to wrapping up our season in the next couple weeks. Hope you join us for our journey, and I hope you stick around throughout the summer because we will be launching a few bonus episodes as well. We have two already in the tank from Christian. Kevin's going to do a few, and I'm going to do a few before we come back for season three. But thanks again for tuning in this week. Don't forget to rate and review our podcast. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. We'll see you on our Instagram page at breathe.podcast. And of course, if you want to be an executive producer of the show, go to patreon.com forward slash Derek Engway and show us a monthly support. But until next time, as we say every week, be the light, extend your hand in love, and make peace with us this upcoming week. Stay blessed, and we'll catch you next time. Peace, y'all!